0: This episode is sponsored by Tolve, the latest true wireless headphones from Swedish audio gurus, Studio. When I mix an episode for the Know and Not podcast, I use my reference pro speakers in the studio, but I also go and listen on my Tolve earphones, so I know how it will sound for commuters and listeners who enjoy podcasts on the go. They pair seamlessly with your device and have a brilliant carry case that doubles as a portable charger, which gives the earbuds 35 hours of battery life, and they sound great. The bass is tight and the highs are smooth. For our five-part Singapore music scene review, 12 earphones are the perfect partner. And right now, if you go to www.studio.com SG earphones and use the discount code NOORNOT, and that's K-N-O-W-O-R-N-O-T, they'll give you 15% off. Your headphones will ship via DHL in five days, and it carries a one-year worldwide warranty. Purchased before the end of July, and the good folks at Studio will include a free summer tote bag. Do check out the 12 earphones from Studio. When you support our sponsor, you're also supporting our podcast. Happy listening. Welcome to the Crafted By series from the No Or Not podcast. This is the fourth part of our five-part look at the Singapore music scene. You don't have to listen to the episodes in sequence, But if you haven't heard the first three parts, do consider listening to those first to help you get up to speed. So far, I've explored three areas of the scene here. Music, business, and performance. This is the media episode. I'm Ken Dalbridge, a sound designer and audio editor running a studio that caters to the advertising and corporate worlds. I arrived in Singapore in 1995 to run the audio post suite that serviced MTV Asia's various channels. Through the influence of television, MTV could make or break a musical act on a worldwide scale, and bands like Duran Duran and Bon Jovi would have had the careers they had without the influence of music videos. For local artists, the media can be boom or bane. How well they do on radio and TV goes a huge way towards defining what career will be forthcoming. Now, I'm not gonna get into the nitty gritty of airplay royalties and physical or digital sales income. I've already covered that in the business episode, which is part two of this five part series. What this episode is going to discuss is the relationship of media with local artists. I'm going to cover the traditional media of radio and TV and something that wasn't around in 1995, social media. You ready? Here we go.
1: I'm Edia Tay and I'm a singer-songwriter from Singapore.
0: This is Ghost by singer-songwriter Adia Tay. She's a regular performer at live venues in Singapore and has just released her EP, Kintsugi. For many artists, that milestone of releasing original music can be an incredible high. But it's actually only the beginning.
1: I'm still
2: kind of figuring out this whole getting my EP heard in Singapore thing.
0: Adia has the same challenge facing all new artists. Raising awareness for a new release means marketing their music and that means the artists dealing with the media. And the media that actually plays their music are radio and TV. TV's audience reach is huge, especially when a challenge is broadcast regionally, as was the case with MTV Asia. When MTV Asia launched from Singapore in 95, it wasn't the only pan-regional music channel in Asia. MTV first launched in 1991 on the Star TV platform out of Hong Kong, and when MTV left that platform, it was replaced by Channel V. Creative director Rob Middleton worked at both and saw firsthand the different approaches the two channels had.
3: The difference between MTV and Channel V, MTV was one big signal so all day long it was international music mixed with a little bit of local music but done for Taiwan or Japan or for wherever sort of thing so that's what the music directors jobs would actually do then but then when we had Channel V it was immediately split so we had a East and West we had uh, one specifically for India the biggest market going out there and one supposedly for China which were Hong Kong Taiwan China itself and then we spread off and we had a Channel V Taiwan for a while Channel V China, Channel V Philippines, Channel V Korea eventually, certainly Channel V India. So there's all different guys, all working together as a little bit of a network. Sharing all the international stuff, but really going after and supporting the local music there as well.
0: You can't really blame MTV in hindsight. Back in the late 90s, if you compared a music video from a local band up against a video from an international act like Madonna, it was no contest. The budget for a Madonna video could easily be 10 or even 100 times bigger, but Channel V's approach was definitely more localized.
3: We famously used to say, we're building from the ground up, not the region on down. You know, we're a locally made product that's world class, whereas MTV's a world class product that's trying to apply itself. And so we were actually a locally made world class product. Eventually, MTV did come around to being more supportive of local stuff, especially in India. But Channel V was so far ahead at the time. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. It was kicking ass. I remember there was a Time Magazine article that listed us being one of the top 20 brands in all of Asia. We were just awesome. We were just, wow. us, look at us. Most of the local acts that did get airplay on MTV
0: and Channel V typically had label support. The labels provided the financial muscle to make a good-looking video and invest in marketing the band and their songs. Getting radio play was less difficult, especially if the quality of production was there. Even in the 90s, the pro tech for creating music was becoming more accessible. And right now, top-end music software can be had for under $1,000. And radio pays royalties. Signed to Universal, the local band Electrico made an impact on local radio. This is frontman Dave Tarn no one had heard a a local number one song on the radio in years I mean decades even I don't know whether there was a novelty in that or people were just craving for something local to be proud of because that was the generation I think that was the cusp the internet had just started to kick in and the world was now we're now global you know and when we're global I think as a Singaporean you want to be able to stand on that stage and have an identity so people started wanting to have local things to be proud of and, and to have a song on the radio that topped everyone else from around the world was something they wanted to embrace and that took off and suddenly all eyes were on us. To help understand how radio stations support local music I reached out to Nick Shields he's programmed stations in Australia and Singapore and is now currently based in the UAE airing music from local bands has been a tried and tested way to kickstart careers
4: Local media has a has a responsibility to its local audiences, right? And also for radio stations to promote local music. I think it's really important because uh, radio in general is the lifeblood of of the community, right? It should represent the town in which it's broadcast in. So if you're programming like a top 40 station, for example, and I've worked in many of them now in in Singapore and in Australia, you only have 300 songs or less to program and to play and you have to work out what's the best songs that I want to play, that the audience is going to like, what songs do I know they already like, and what songs can I introduce them to? And then if you're thinking of songs to introduce them to, you're really looking at, well, we've got really big international artists that we can introduce them to, and we've also got these local acts that we can introduce them to as well. The same level of scrutiny that you put against an international act is the same level of scrutiny that you put against a local act. When the quality of music doesn't match international quality, you have to make editorial decisions. And sometimes I believe that the right editorial decisions are not made and music stations don't do enough to promote local music. But it's not because they don't want to, it's because of how the the system is, is set up.
0: But that didn't stop Nick
4: from doing what he could to
0: promote local bands through
4: airplay. I make a conscious decision to find local artists that would be able to meet those standards in our playlist. So when I um, first came to Singapore, I spent a lot of time going to gigs and listening to live acts. And I went to a lot of effort to go and reach out to artists, to artist managers and to go and make and build those relationships, to go and find those artists and get them, you know, either to a level to to work with giving them feedback and what would work to get them on air because you know obviously when we're playing music on air and we want it to match we want it to sound like the international stuff we want that level of standard there but people need to have those really awkward and really honest conversations in order to to get everybody to a level and I'm not saying that the conversations that I had led to that Um, there's also a lot of other things that are happening in the industry at the time with a lot of money being pumped into local music production and also technological advances in terms of you know you can program really really good music from your bedroom or from your laptop now you don't need to go and spend and lots and lots of money on a really expensive recording studio to get a, a really, really good sound.
0: There's a big reason that Nick loved to play local bands on Singapore airwaves, because they put money in their pockets in the form of royalties, which can be a big psychological boost for a band when they're first starting
4: out and
0: wondering if they're ever going to be able to earn a living through their music.
4: If you get played on the radio, your royalties are way more than if you're gonna get played on Spotify. But it works the other way. Where artists didn't necessarily have an avenue to find audience, Spotify and Apple Music and other streaming services like Deezer, for example, are a fantastic way for musicians to find niche audiences. Uh, There's so many different playlists now on streaming services that you can, you know, you could potentially pitch your music to and, and get your music on those playlists where you never had that opportunity before. The ability
0: to reach an international audience digitally has given new options for local acts to reach their
4: fans wherever they might be. For a market like Singapore, it's actually really, really exciting because we don't have a lot of choices in terms of radio stations here. We've got 11 or 12 radio stations in the markets only a handful of those play English music and they all basically play the same genre of music which is pop music and ballads and that's not a bad thing, that's really great because that's what the audience wants here and and radio does a good job of serving that up. However if you are really into metal or you're really into uh, R&B and rap or you're really into indie music or slam poetry or, or whatever it is, there's no niche radio stations here that are playing it. So having streaming is a really really fantastic option because you can go and build audience online and then get paid for it. One
0: amazing advantage of being played on a streaming service is the analytics that a band can tap into. Nick explains...
4: If you're really savvy with it on the business end, you can go, look, my streaming numbers work really well here, here, and here. If you have a big audience in a country that has one of those niches and they have a radio station that plays that niche, you can then go and say, look, you know, I get 200,000 streams in Sweden. Uh, You know, metal is really big in Sweden. Here's my song. It's really successful in your country. I think you should play it on your radio station. Radio and streaming services, they both supply. Uh, different avenues for you to get your music out there and for you to monetize that music too.
0: Once you get airplay on local radio and you get streams online, it's not the end of things. An act has to maintain and grow that engagement.
4: Beautiful thing about social media is that you can find your niche, you can find it relatively easily, and then you can interact with them on a daily basis. So even if you're not putting out music, you as people behind the music, you can connect with your audience there. But if you're thinking oh, well, I've set up a Twitter account, I've set up an Instagram, I've set up a Facebook, I've set up a YouTube, and I'm putting out some content and it's not really going anywhere. That's perfectly fine. You'll find out what works for you eventually. Um, Sometimes for music, Twitter and Instagram are a great place. You know, you can share your demos and Instagram stories, and people will eventually find it. You can't just make a song, put it out there, and expect people to pick it up. Sometimes it happens. And sometimes it, it is really successful and it does go, go somewhere, but we also have to be really real about where music is right now and be smart about it and just work hard, but also work as, as equally smart.
0: Social media wasn't around when MTV Asia launched out of Singapore in '95. It's now a must-have for bands. It was interesting how often social media came up in the interviews I've had for this podcast series. Saiful Idris was the driving force of Great Spy Experiment.
4: Right now, for younger musicians, uh, social media presence is critical. Yeah, it's, it's really all about how you, you kind of uh, leverage on social media to reach people. I think Spotify can do wonders. And, and we see that with people like Lin Ying, Charlie Lim, and even the, the lesser-known artists. Um, you have Nico Homiley, the rapper. They are getting really good numbers on Spotify. So I guess Spotify is doing its part, and I think that's great. It's really about the online presence. During our time, it was about what you do on stage, gigging to as many people as possible. Now, that's not as critical as what you do online.
0: Vanessa Fernandez, who records under the moniker of Vandetta, was station manager for Lush, an alternative radio station that was a big supporter of local music that wasn't quite mainstream. I asked her about being on both sides of the same coin, being the one in charge of a station and also someone who was creating original music.
1: Because I studied mass communication in school, I had an understanding of media and the media business. And because I was an artist, I understood the people who were part of this community we were trying to promote. So I felt it put me in a position where I could take on what were the needs of both sides and try to figure out ways in which to have win-win situations for both.
0: Vanessa enjoyed success with the band Urban Exchange in the early noughties, before the rise of social media. She's seen firsthand the influence that social media has had on how any artist or act reaches out to its audience. But she wasn't sold on social media when it first
1: appeared. For a long time, I really didn't like it. It can be quite narcissistic, and I don't like that aspect of it. If I can talk a little bit deeper about what I'm doing or what is behind this picture, what it means to me, then I can feel like, It's not so narcissistic and I can feel maybe it's more something of value to someone else. So, But it took me some time to get around that. And then only when I did that can I let go of like,
0: I'm just posting a picture of myself, you know? The data that social media can provide is a great way to guide how an act should focus their efforts.
1: There's Spotify for Artists, Apple for Artists, there's your Facebook fan page and your Instagram page. When you release music on social, you can look at the people who follow you, where they're from, their age and all that kind of stuff. You can also do that on Spotify so you can see where your audience is. And I would suggest because you probably have limited resources, you might want to try and focus on getting to where people already seem to like your music.
0: Weish is a Singaporean artist whose primary medium is live loops, creating a layered landscape of sounds with a mixture of singing, vocal percussion and instrumentation. She composed the soundtrack for the award-winning film Shirkers by director Sandy Tan. For acts that have to handle their own social media, it can take them away from their purpose of making music. It is
2: very distracting. This year, I'm really feeling that juggling admin and social media and everything has taken a lot of time away from just not just time, but being in the right headspace to, you know, just sink in and jam or whatever. I do feel it's very obvious when there is a managing team doing social media for an artist and there's a kind of a noticeable disconnect. My name is Matilda De Silva. I'm a community manager on social media by day and by night I'm a rock and pop singer.
0: Matilda De Silva was a Singapore Idol finalist and performs regularly around town covering a catalogue of music ranging from rock to jazz and everything in between. She also happens to be one of the best social media experts in town.
3: When
2: it comes to musicians they need to realise that they need to be where their audiences are. They need to Crack the nut that is social media Figure out where they want to place themselves as well You don't need to be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Line, WeChat You don't need to be everywhere You just need to be where it's natural to you So if you're more of a Facebook kind of band Then I guess that's where you are at If you are an IG story kind of band That's where you're at Because a lot of musicians They forget that social media is a social thing too It's not just like I sing, I will just throw my product out at you and I don't care who consumes it. With social it's about engagement and it's the same thing as when you're up on stage, you know, you got to engage. If you're singing a song, um, a really heartfelt, tender song, and you have a heckler who's like, eh, do this, eh, do that, you kind of got to engage with them as well. You can't just sort of like be doing your own thing while the audience is veering in a different direction. You have to engage. That's why I think social media is really important for musicians.
0: Leonard Suse of Snakeweed Studios is a legendary studio owner and record producer. If you're coming from a social media point of view, I think now image and, and your social media presence is more important, I feel, than the music itself. And it's something that I don't really agree with, but you know, it seems to be the trend that's happening. I've seen musicians or artists who are popular or famous now, but you know the music is not up to par with the, the social media presence. You get more likes rather than people listening to your music. And the likes you get are not because they listen to your songs, but more because, you know, you're always present on social media. You're always, you know, wearing the right clothes, uh, taking the right photos, the right selfies. I just hope that a lot of musicians now focus more on what's more important to me, which is the music. Thanks for listening to part four of our Music Industry Review, part of our Crafted By series from the Know One Up podcast. It was written, recorded and mixed by me, Kendall Bridge. This episode was sponsored by the new true wireless headphones Tolv from the Audio Experts Studio. Go to www.studio.com/sg/earphones and use the discount code Not. That's K N O W O R N O T and get 15% off. Your purchase will ship via DHL in 5 days and carries a 1-year worldwide warranty. Purchase before the end of July and you'll also get a free summer tote bag. Got to love Tolv. Our last part is on the reality, as in the reality of making a living from music. And I'm gonna talk to a bunch of musicians who earn a living in ways you wouldn't expect. My name is
4: Joshua Simon. I'm a radio presenter. I'm also an independent singer-songwriter. I think I I knew I just wanted to be right at the center of a little bit of everything passing by, like film and music and uh, meeting new people and making new friends and uh, being able to afford sushi and good sushi and being able to travel. Every time I I feel like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Am I fulfilling my dream? And I'm like, you asked for this. You kind of did.
0: Joshua will be performing his live set at the Wabby Music Carnival on the 22nd of June at Escape. That's W-H-A-B-B-Y. Check out their website, wabbymusic.com, for free tickets. The good vibes start at noon. Do come down and support local acts. If you like this podcast, please subscribe for free. Plus, you'll get notifications when we have new episodes. We're available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a load of other places. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star review. It helps other people find our podcast. And if you have a friend who you think would like this podcast, do recommend us. To learn more about our podcast, please visit know That's knowornot.com. That's K-N-O-W-O-R-N-O-T dot